All right, today we're covering Hebrews chapter 12, and again, before we get into verse 1, we have to remember what it said in verse 40 of Hebrews 11. Remember, it said, for God had something better in mind for us, and he's talking about the believers in the New Testament, so that they, talking about the Faith Hall of Fame people from the Old Testament, would not reach perfection without us. In other words, he's saying, Old Testament believers... We're looking forward to Jesus. New Testament believers look back to Jesus. And now verse 1 makes sense in chapter 12. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, he's talking about all of the believers in the Old Testament who had died. He says, let us, now New Testament believers, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us, New Testament believers... The author, you know, the author's author's talking to now the Hebrews, right? Let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And so I love verse one because it's it's calling the Old Testament cloud of witnesses, Abraham, Moses, Sarah, Enoch, David, everyone, all these Old Testament followers of God who were imperfect in their faith, but they followed a perfect God. Now he says, We're surrounded by those guys. It's almost like they're cheering us on in heaven, saying, you can do this. You can you can you know, you can live by faith in this life in this Roman empire and for us today in America or wherever you find yourself today. Like don't give up. God rewards you if you won't give up. So keep running the race and he says in verse 2 how to do it. We we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I love that. That Jesus initiates our faith, but he also perfects our faith. Why? Because of the joy awaiting him. Jesus Jesus endured the cross and he disregarded the shame and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Man, these first few couple of verses are just so powerful and, and I think they're meant to be inspirational, getting us to say, yes, let's not be weary. Let's not, uh, let's not try to just you know, please God with our works only, but let's, out of love and out of the, you know, joy in the process of pursuing God, let's pursue God and he's going to reward us in the end. No, they're extremely uplifting, but it gets into verse five though, which is not as uplifting. And and it's one of my questions for you in verse five, he, he goes into, you have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children. He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one as he accepts as his child. From a human, from an earthly standpoint, that makes total sense. But as I've done my little pursuit of God here the last few years, and God is love, and I tend to, I tend to be, I get caught up on the words maybe, which I shouldn't, but I, I tend to look at it and I think God loves us, and he, and he made us free, and he doesn't discipline us, he just lets us he lets us screw up and deal with our consequences versus disciplines us. Am I, am I mistaken here? It, because in, in a, it can be kind of cold and harsh here when it says God disciplines us. Yeah, obviously, as, as we read this chapter, something, the author had something in mind, some situation in mind for the, for the recipients of this letter. So they're they're Hebrew Christians, they're Jewish Christians in living in in the you know in the Middle East, living in the Roman Empire, and obviously something is happening. Maybe some kind of persecution, uh, maybe some trouble had come into the church or into their life. We don't exactly know for sure what had happened, but what he's doing is he's saying, listen, 
God is God. Whatever is happening in your life, whatever whatever that discipline is in your life, God is using it to grow your faith. Um, he's using it because he loves you, like any father loves loves his children. And so I think there's two questions we have to answer. Number one, what what was happening back then? And number two, how do we apply this to our lives today? And I think to apply to our lives today, what we say is we're going to trust God no matter no matter what. We're going to trust God in the process. We're going to trust that he rewards those who, who diligently seek him, um, even if right now we don't have a job, or right now we're, we're dealing with a sickness, or right now there's a relationship that's broken, or whatever, right? That we're going to continue to pursue God no matter what is going on in our lives, because we trust God, and we trust that he's going to reward us if we'll stay, if we'll stay faithful. In fact, in verse 11, it says, no discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, but afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So I think the takeaway for us is we need to retain our faith no matter what's happening. Because remember, faith is being sure of what we hope for, even though the situation we're in right now isn't ideal. And I think if you use that definition of faith, that applies to everyone in every generation, because no one's life is free of suffering. No one's life is free of of trial, whether it was something that we bring on ourselves or whether it's just something that happens because of the of the day and the era that we live in. No, I like that. And and basically this kind of falls under that God uses all things for his good. That's exactly so you, right. Yep. So if you're if you're in trouble on, on circumstances out of your control, God can use it. Yep, that's right. And that's uh, that's Romans eight. And again, you know, this chapter probably more than any other chapter. This chapter in Hebrews sounds like like Paul's writing. Um, now we don't think Paul's the author of Hebrews, but when I read Hebrews eleven and twelve, it makes me think maybe Paul was the author, but I don't think he was. But it it does call a lot of those those issues in Romans and in Galatians into mind. And then in 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 verse fourteen, he starts to transition and he starts talking uh, about. Uh, using more references to the Old Testament that that the Hebrews would have understand ver, would have understood. Verse eighteen it says, "You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai." So, if you're not familiar with what he's talking about, he's talking about when Moses went up to the mountain and he got the Ten Commandments, and you can go back and read all of that. And and he's he's calling that image to mind. But what he's saying is, you've been called to a better mountain. Not not to that old physical mountain where where Moses was was given the Ten Commandments, but he says in verse twenty two, "No, you have come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering." So he's again, it's the shadow and reality thing. Everything in the Old Testament was a shadow of what was going to come, and now we we've come to this to this other mountain, this more powerful mountain than, than the mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. You've come to Mount Zion, which is this heavenly mountain. And so he's calling, he's, he's painting this new image as you read through this. He's painting this new image of, as it ends the chapter, verse 28, we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. We're not receiving just the Ten Commandments in this promised land that is, that is temporal, but we're, we're, we're receiving this promised land that is eternal. And so let us be thankful and please God by worshiping with, 
with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devouring fire. So if you go back and read the the account of this in the Old Testament, you know, there was fire. God was always represented by fire, and we had the clouds and the fire, and there was this this scary moment in the life of, of Israel back in that day in the Old Testament. But now he's saying that same God, yes, he's a devouring fire, but he's going to devour your enemies. He's going to devour all of the trouble that's in your life if you would remain faithful to him. 